It is CSP Sunday here on this bank holiday weekend in the glorious Republic of Ireland. No qualifiers needed because it is just the old Irish heads. It is just the big old burnty red sunburnty faces of this glorious uh, uh, June bank holiday weekend here. Uh, J.Towner still gallivanting, unfindable. He's, he's, he's on his, his Homer Simpson and Ned Flanders in Vegas shit. Just just off getting married in a, in a, in a jacuzzi, uh, drinking white wine spritzers. He's out of control. You can't see him punk. They yucked it up. They had a great time. Um, yeah. You, uh, this is, well, Paul Griffin is, I'm Barry. Paul is also on the show. We're two hosts. We've do this 15 years now. Um, <laughs> you would have, obviously, as the editor, would have listened to Joe's uh, Double or Nothing review last week. So how is he getting on? What's the, what was the form like? What was his take on the show? Um, Joe gave a very succinct uh, review of the crowd. He didn't really touch much on the show. Uh, he said the Adam Cole match was terrible. Yeah, but it was. He's dead right, right. Rightfully so. And that was pretty much it. <laughs> so we'll have to get his full thoughts when he's back. Okay. We, we, did, we did not get a 20-minute in-depth uh, match-by-match breakdown with scores and... And the rest of it was it was pretty uh, to the point. I, I I think he recorded that as he was leaving the arena, so he might have been right getting jostled about. But um, yeah, we didn't we didn't realize that Joe was going to be away this week as well. That's something we should have maybe sorted out to know exactly how long he was going to be going for. I don't know if he's still in Vegas, if he's like um, Moxley run, running around in in the mountains or whatever, but um, or or what what he's up to, but. I mean, it's not like this tightly run ship for us to not stay on top of things like that and not to be asking at recording time, is the other one showing up? Uh, It's not like us at all to do that. So a rare occurrence here uh, on this week's show. But we do have a stacked show nonetheless while Joe continues his adventures. He will, I was about to say he'll be back next week. Probably said that last week. Shouldn't say that. Um, (laughs) He'll be back at some stage to talk about uh, everything. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we will, of course, chat about Double or Nothing, which, because of a newsworthy kind of wrestling week, feels like it was a year ago at this stage. A combination of a newsworthy wrestling week and it not being very good also kind of just means I'm like, eh, Double or Nothing. You know what? Let's, uh, I, despite a, a busy enough run sheet here, I, I would say Double or Nothing is still the most noteworthy thing that, that this podcast has to talk about. Right. Um, this week. So we'll, we'll run into it here. I don't know if we're going to have uh, any, any outrageously spicy takes on it, but, uh, I thought it was, I thought it was the worst AEW pay-per-view, certainly in immediate memory. Uh, I was trying to think of one I enjoyed less and I couldn't think of one until someone on another podcast referenced the all out show that had the Mimosa match and the Sammy Guevara nearly dying match. Um, that was all on one pay-per-view, and that was also pandemic era. So I would say that was probably worse than this. Um, but, well, I want to uh, see what else was what was on that show before I can... That was all out... All out 2020. 2020. Yeah, yeah. So, um, let's, and I let's can't have, even let's have a look. That would have been main evented by MJF and Moxley, I want to say. Uh, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was a good match. That was one of those. Yeah, no, this that show was definitely worse because I remember similar to this show, the conversation was kind of about how the main event was like did its best to save it, but wasn't wasn't there. 
Um, what do you got on that card? FTR against Omega and Hangman. I like that match. I did yeah. enjoy that match quite a bit. Young, Young Bucks Jurassic Express. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I'm surprised that you mentioned because there was some other uh, huge stinkers on that show as well. Uh, Big Swole defeating Britt Baker in a the cinematic match. dentist match. Oh my, that was god awful. That might have been the worst god. on the show. Yeah. Um, do you not? You're telling me you don't remember the team of Matt Cardona, Scorpio Sky, and the Natural Nightmares, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall. Is that what you're telling me? No, I do not remember. I don't even remember the Natural Nightmares as a unit, to be honest. Yeah, they defeated the Dark Order. Oh God! On that show. Um, yeah, that preview doesn't look very good, to be honest. Um, and I think what what this has in common with Double or Nothing is that I think aside from two matches, it's not going to live long in the memory. That's the other thing as well. Yeah, and I think to be fair, not to make excuses for this show because I thought it was quite poor. It's still a you know fifty US dollar uh, uh, show, uh, which is one thing I think that that's an important bit of context before we run through this show. Is it? AW does five pay per views a year. They do not do fucking two peacock specials a month that's not the so so even though you know uh, part of the context for this review is ah well whatever everyone knew this show was going to be a punt you know because we've got wembley and all out and forbidden door and all that stuff's more important it's like eh, eh, you know they could have done better yeah. than this you know so that's that's some context but um it was very much i mean it, pillars program especially i think everyone was kind of like all right this is this is not an A show. They are not putting it on an A show because they've got like six massive uh, summer shows uh, coming up. Let's jump into it. You, did you watch the pre-show at all? Of course, I watch every pre-show. Uh, I didn't because there was only one match announced for it, and it looked uh, no bueno uh, on papier papyrus. What did you What did you make? Of, uh, what did you make of the Hardys and Hook against? Uh, Ethan Page and the Guns, which actually, I do not hate that as a team. I think that's not a bad... Uh, not a bad trio. trio. The funny thing is, I think Tony Khan, if given the opportunity, would probably write this out on Papyrus in advance. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've seen his... Photos. Did you see the all-access clip of him showing Sammy Guevara? Oh, my God. It's great. It's literally just about two steps away from Mike Bassett, England manager, with uh, written on the back of a packet of fags. He's just like... Sammy's like, hey boss, uh, I just really want to know where I'm going. So he's like, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, look, here's my here's my plan. And he pulls out like like a teenage, like this a crumpled up A4 page, or it's bigger than A4. It's like two A4 pages wide. A3. And anyway, that's Tony Khan's booking uh, uh, sheet. Um, yeah. So so the the open the the pre show rather. I mean, what did you make of it? I don't remember a single move from the match. Um. Uh, couldn't tell you anything about it. But what I do know is that Matt Hardy now owns Ethan Page's contract. Ooh. Uh, a fact that was basically not followed up on at all on either television show. Yes, well, they, they see, they, it's funny, they made the effort for the shows to be good this week, uh, which meant they couldn't put Matt Hardy on it, you know, so... Um, <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, Makes pre- sense. Or was like pre-order bonus Matt, as I call him. <laughs> Uh, jumping onto the main show, yes, uh, we did kick off with with you and I's much speculated upon blackjack battle royal and what would it be. Turns out, just a battle royal, just a yeah, just a Wh- match. why even call it blackjack? Uh, I guess I don't they're know because they're in <laughs> Vegas because they're in Vegas and it's double or nothing. And I guess there was twenty one people in there. I suppose um, 
this was another overachieving AEW Battle Royale, which I think they've kind of, uh, uh, even you and I as people who agree that Battle Royales generally are rubbish. I think AEW have had way more successes than failures on, on this one and um, uh, on this particular format. And I thought it was quite good. I thought they had all, a number of different story threads in there. And I thought the final four or five lads was really good. Yeah, I was very negative going into this. Battle Royals, they're shit. They're always shit. They are, unless you have at least the final four be guys with extremely good chemistry. And here, when it, this, when it got down to Swerve and, and Cassidy, it was like the best finish to a, a battle royal since, like, Sean Undertaker in 2007. Right. Where I was like, get these two in the ring for a match immediately. And they heard you. <laughs> well, obviously more than one person gave that feedback. But these two guys, as soon as they, they started, you know, were the final two and started working. Fuck, everything looks so good. It was so well-timed, so crisp. I was like, oh, this, is, this stuff is brilliant. Whatever about the Battle royal element of it kind of went out the window. But these two guys just together, it was like magic. Where, where, where two people, you know, I'm trying to off the top of my head pick pick an example you know where two people just get together it just fucking clicks those those two guys just have that yeah that oh totally yeah, yeah um yeah cassidy continuing he he is the work rate champion of this promotion for sure um which is a crown he may be passing to swerve i mean just by virtue of swerve being a heel if he if he does win the title next week i mean it, it'd be tough shoes to fill i don't know if he's going to do an open challenge necessarily but um cassidy if it is sunsetting soon he's been a great champion and the finish was great, battling on the on the apron. Then he just he just taps the hand off the rope. I love and the finish. I love the finish because you're expecting the the punch, but he went for the oh, I'll just kick his kick his hand off. Like it was, it was smart. It played into the character. Loved it. So uh, Cassidy did, in fact, retain. Uh, and we, uh, yes, move on. Uh, Adam Cole defeated Chris Jericho in a unsanctioned match where Sabu was the special guest enforcer. Now, last week, you and I were talking about what's the difference between lights out and a normal unsanctioned. And I think the caveat is that thus far in AEW history, uh, lights out matches have been cool. And this one is not. And also, people were already perplexed by it, but now that we've seen the Sabu thing, what was the point? What was the point of that? Like, and this is not a criticism of Sabu. Who's I was trying to explain. I was explaining Sabu to Brona. I was like, he has been around the block. That man has led a life. I am shocked he even took a bump. To be fair to him, he did. He took one dive. It was terrifying because it looked like he almost (laughs) didn't make it. It was terrifying. And then he cleared out of there, and you didn't see him. And it was in the opening like minute of the match. He did. He got all his stuff in the opening minute. And he went to the back, and fair play to him. I hope I hope the payday was nice. But like, w- like, w- was it literally just kind of a uh, this pay per view is a bit? Eh, can we can we pull any old name in to to get a little nostalgia pop? And I think that's probably what it was. Yeah, um, he wasn't much of an enforcer, to be honest. Um, no, no, they could have just had he's in the corner, and even then, what was the point of it? But because it so, just, so yeah, they, they they did all their brawling immediately. And then he did his dive, and Roderick was there, and they all brawled to the back. And I was kind of like, 
And then they, they did the Cole and, and Jericho then just had a uh, no, they had a basic uh, street fight. And it's kind of like you could have just done a whole their band from ringside thing again and just achieved that result a lot quicker. Um, you know, one hundred percent. And then the match itself wasn't much to put it kindly. No, and had maybe the worst finish I've ever seen. Uh, I'm gonna, <laughs> it was bad. I'm going to say, you know, um, Seth Rollins and The Fiend in the Hell in a Cell gets a lot of flack, but um, Adam Cole using the um, the dreaded uh, Adam Driver from Marriage Story punch the wall punch <laughs> on Jericho <laughs> um, looked so, so terrible. And now I will say they, they edited it edited it quite well on uh, Dynamite to make it look not awful but the crowd, the crowd shit on it, it looked terrible um, could they have not done something else I mean I, I understand the idea of the, the stoppage due to strikes idea, absolutely. it's a cool idea oh my god I mean this, 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 this is what people complained about with that Dark Order segment from three years ago Yeah, it, it was like embarrassingly bad it's like it takes a lot for an AEW audience to turn on like a finish, and especially Adam Cole, who's like a beloved guy to, to that type of fan as well. But it's like we talked about last week with the contract signing when he was doing his. Oh, I'm, I'm serious, and I'm gonna beat you up because of what you did to the love of my life. It's like it's like he's he, Adam Cole is a great pro wrestler in a lot of different regards. He is not. He is not. John Moxley, Lance Archer, uh, even Will Hobbs. He is not that kind of guy where where his his finish can be mounted punches. He's not. He's just not. And it's like, you know, it was just. I mean, there's a bunch of people I I wouldn't do that finish with. It's not just him. It's not like no, let, let me throw out right. Literally off the top of my head, I've put no thought pre thought into this at all. Mm. Right. Story is Jericho and and JS. Hit Britt Baker with the kendo stick while Adam Cole was handcuffed. Finish of this match, full circle. He has yeah. Jericho handcuffed. He hasn't choked him with a kendo or kendo stick in the eye or something. Jericho yeah. gives up. Something yeah. like that. Something or like if that. You want, or if you want to do a stoppage, he has him handcuffed and he's brutalizing him with the kendo stick. And the referee's like, "All right, he's, he can't. He can't defend himself. It's over." You know, another. And it's just like like. In this company as well, where you get glass, you get screwdrivers flying off the stage, flaming tables, barbed wire. It's like like you have to be you have to be a world class striker for for mounted punches to be your finish. It would have to be Minoru Suzuki in there beating the shit out of Chris Jericho yeah. for it to be believable. And it just wasn't. And the preceding match as well, it was so like WWE hardcore title, nothing. You know, it was just the most basic props. And I think this is, I'm not one of those people who thinks AEW does too much on the, of the gimmick matches. Cause I actually think it, it's kind of a little bit part of their brand now. And I actually don't, I actually think it's pretty good, but, and this is a problem. I think Julia Hart and, and Anna Jay ran into a few weeks ago when they had to go on before the cage match. It's like, okay, well we're doing three of these matches on one show. Uh, so Jericho and, and, and Cole, you can't do X, Y, Z because the main event is doing X, Y, Z. So you guys don't get to do this. You can't go this. You can't go into the, you can't go backstage because we're doing that later. You can't use uh, uh, tax because we're using that later. So what are you left with? You're left with the garbage can lids and the kendo sticks and the chains. <laughs> like, yeah. oh God, it, stuff we're all sick of seeing. Yeah, I'm going to say, let's have a, a, 
memorandum on a full ban. We, we, we had a few years ago the, um, and, and they still do it to an extent, more so in WWE, the, uh, the spear through the barricade. Yes. I'm going to say in 2023, we're not doing uh, the wrap the chain around yourself and it falls off. Ah, and you pull it yeah. back up and stop. It never works and it never looks good. Yeah, we just had Dax in the in the in the Briscoes match there a couple of uh, months ago at this stage, uh, doing the, having the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's it doesn't it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It barely ever works. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was um, uh, that was that match, and um, uh, I was a bit nervous when they set up the um, the, the mixed tag for Dynamax. I was like, oh, please don't continue this. These these the other thing is well, you know. Because I said on Twitter, I was like, I can't think of a worse match between two good pro wrestlers than this. But historically, there, there's plenty of examples of two good wrestlers who just do not have chemistry. And I was watching that mixed tag, and I was like, this is fucking four people who just don't have very good chemistry together. But thankfully, Cole won, and so it looks like we are we are moving on from that. So, uh, so there you go. Good. Um, in a match that went 20 minutes on the button... Uh, FTR retained over Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. And this is a weird little oxymoron of a match because generally speaking, I think the consensus I would agree with would be that there was too much overbooking and, and nonsense on this show. People running in, referees getting bumped, this person getting involved, people getting ejected, this item getting thrown at the ring. However, this match that had the most of it and went full TNA was that was the highlight of this whole match. It was the final five minutes when they did the parade of interferers and referee bumps and things like that. Uh, I didn't really care for the first like 13, 15 minutes of it though. Yeah, I thought it was given how into this story I was in the lead up, I thought the match itself was fairly disappointing. Um, Jarrett is always a hoot though. Yeah. Um, do you like his his stroke and then immediate premature celebration? That <laughs> yes, oh, is so good. It's so good. Uh, Jared is like amping up the old school heel mannerisms to a, like a twenty, and it's just so so funny. Um, yeah, I, I I thought all the antics in this one were great. The only thing we were missing was a satinum bump. They had satinum flying off the stage a few weeks ago. Yeah. I think they should have saved that for this because it was the, the, it was a spectacular visual. Um, but uh, satinum is working the house shows, which obviously makes perfect sense. I'm I, I I'm sure it's not good, but I'm curious to see what it looks like. Yeah, uh, he's had like what one one match on TV has it. I don't even recall it. Don't be not being very good. Um. Anyway, yeah, FTR retained, and uh, it seemed like this set up an Aubrey versus Karen match, uh, which <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I think it'd probably be more of a mixed tag situation, but yeah, yeah, they they did hit hit Aubrey with the guitar, which was funny, um, you know. Um, Wardlow defeated Christian Cage, and this was kind of going back to what I was saying there about the general criticisms of this show. I So I, I didn't stay up live and watch this, and I had to watch it super late on Monday because Brona was away and we want to watch it together. Yeah, so yeah. I, I had the whole thing spoiled and I knew what everyone's perception of the show was. And people seemed really down on the whole middle section of the show, including this. And I was watching this match and I was like, I think this is pretty good. I think this is kind of exactly what I wanted, which is a kind of slow, more thoughtful ladder match between two, you know, a, a good worker and an excellent worker. 
And I was like, really good. And then down comes Arn to, to the, ho- the hokiest bullshit you've seen since the Adam Cole finish. Co- Arn comes down looking like a chipmunk. So obviously <laughs> holding something in his mouth. I was like, I was like is Arn going to do fucking mist? Is he going to mist fucking Christian in the face or something? Um, uh, you know, so I was like, what's going on? And then the Lucha dragon Lucius uh, Lucha <laughs> Lucha dragon from Lucha uh, dragon man Sin Cara and Callisto are back <laughs> uh, Luchasaurus grabs him and he bites off his thumb and it does like a they do like a Danny DeVito and Batman Returns level grotesque blood squirting everywhere uh, visual it looked absolutely preposterous and then the match is just completely off the rails then from from, from that point um, you know, it was just uh, Aaron as well. It's just like everyone loves Aaron, but like, it's like he's he's really struggling to kind of hobble down there and do this. It looked like he had a lot of jam smeared on his face because whatever, <laughs> whatever, so the, 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 whatever the blood was that they were using looked awful. Um, yeah. yeah, and I, I think this is sadly another Wardlow moment that kind of fell flat in its face, to be honest. Yeah, unfortunately, I, th- I think it was a bit too silly. Yeah. Um, all said and done. And uh, I did like when Wardlow, obviously being a big Jeff Hardy um, fan, did the big ladder swanton spot. Yeah. Um, however, one thing that Wardlow cannot do is uh, a ricochet-style jump from the rope onto a ladder without it crumpling under his his big weight. Massive, massive muscular physique. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was cool. And then he saw the ladder buckle. You're like, oof. Mm. Yeah, it's a shame. I feel like they, I feel like they were working hard to to have a really good ladder match, and it just, it, uh, just you know, I, I, it, it, it was okay. I think, I think it was all, still, oh, yeah, the, it was all right. All, all the shit was a little bit unnecessary, but it was what it was. Um, speaking of stuff getting in the way, Tony Storm defeated Jamie Hader. I mean, it was obviously not even really much of an actual match. No, uh, they. Uh, Again, it was only three minutes, and it was just co- it was immediately it was constant. Jamie gets jumped in her entrance. The referee's going down. Jamie gets a brief comeback. Then the referee is distracted. Then this person's running in, and I was like, they probably wanted to just give the fans some semblance of something resembling a match, but it was on a show full of people running in and just constant bullshit. I was like, I personally would have just preferred if she just like hobbled down to the ring and Tony's looking all smarmy and the referee calls the bell and Tony just immediately lays her out and pins her because they, they just imply that she was killed backstage. You know what I mean? I didn't need the three minutes of fucking around and distractions and just, do you know what I mean? Because on a show that already had too much of that, I, I think, but I, I think they probably wanted to protect uh, Jamie. But yeah, what do you make of this? And uh, yeah, poor Jamie seemingly, I, I, I guess we don't know. We still don't know how, what the actual severity of her, of her injury is. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we get Jamie as the uh, as the bulldog proxy for Wembley. Mm. I think that would be cool. Um, Absolutely. And even if she's not entirely cleared by then, I mean, I still think you could do the moment and let her recover a little bit more afterwards. But um, yeah, a little bit of an anticlimactic end to her run. And actually, I would say, obviously, because she's been injured the last weeks, month have been quiet in, in that regard as well. So it feels like her winning was a big deal, and then it's just kind of, because of the injury, it's just kind of petered out and ended now. And it's weird because Tony 
never felt like the most important person in that group. It's obviously Soraya's yeah. group and Tony's in it. So it's a little bit like Orton winning the world title the first time in Evolution. And you're almost expecting Soraya to give the, 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 the thumbs down and attack her, but I don't know. Just a, just a strange situation. Like I, 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 I figured they're going to have hater drop, but Storm is just a bit of a weird, a weird pick for it. I, I, I assume they kind of they knew it had to go to the outcast and just did the logical thing of, well, Soraya, you're not going to have any good matches with this, and Ruby, you are like the you are like the lowest person like politically in the in the in the group since like Tony's a former champion and Soraya's like the star. Yeah. So I guess they they went with the logical kind of okay, Tony can have like good matches and stuff on on TV with it, I guess. Um Yeah, she can go on all the house shows and 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 put on a decent match there. So yeah. But yeah, I agree. It's odd. Odd. It's uh, it's unfortunate, you know, it, it, it this injury has come at a a pretty terrible time, you know, um uh, for for Jamie. But yeah, and again, nothing nothing match. Um uh, the House of Black uh, defeated the Acclaimed and Billy Gunn. Um, this open house gimmick, right? The first one was no witches allowed at ringside. <laughs> yeah. The second one was Lucia Rules, which is fine. That's actually something fairly unique, but it's fucking basically the way AEW works fucking anyway. And then this one was Max Caster going, we don't want a third rule. <laughs> yeah. I was like, all right. And again, I'm, I know other people have said this. This is so obviously something that was just like, all right, they want, the House of Black wants to do this fucking stupid thing. We've no actual interest in, in making it, but he wants it. So have it. Great. It's so pointless. I actually like the lights. I think the, I think the, the visual setup. The, for the new right. setup they have is much better. Much better than the original one, but the rule thing seems so, I mean, so, so tacked on. Uh, the funny thing is, the, the problem is, when, when you overthink it, as is often the case with wrestling, you, you can break the logic of, of it immediately. Like, why does a team not say, um, our stipulation is uh, all three, you know, all your legs have to be tied together? <laughs> yeah, of course, and the, yeah. And that's the match. Um, I don't know. I think yeah. they, I think they, they, they hamstrung themselves too much by making one of the one of the house rules being that DQs are enforced, which I, I think is basically them saying you can pick a rule, but it can't be a fucking TLC fucking flaming barbed wire match. It has to be a normal match. So then it's like, well, yeah, what are you stuck with? Okay, Julia Hart's banned from ringside. I guess uh, no tags. It's like, okay, you've already run out of like interesting options that are not that are not around you know making it a, a wacky stipulation match. Uh, anyway, on the subject of this match, it says here on Wikipedia it was 15 minutes long. I think they might have swapped the five and the one around because it was definitely 51 <laughs> minutes long. Um, about six different heat segments, it felt like. Each acclaimed member got worked over yes, twice. Yeah. Um, again, a little bit of a letdown given who was in it. I feel like the acclaimed have been so cooled off um, that it kind of killed their momentum going to this. This, this could have been legitimately a cool little program. Yeah, and a, and a match to look forward to, but it felt like a complete afterthought. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I these these six have a better rampage match in them than this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but also, even from the point of view of, of it being a good match, I feel like the acclaimed aren't necessarily a good pairing for that. Maybe, yeah. Um, not that they're they're cold as well. You know, they're cold. That's the issue with the timing of it. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there are better better options in all regards for House of Black. Um, I feel like lately there's too many thrown together trios as well going for the titles. So hopefully they can get a program um, up and running. It felt like the Acclaimed was kind of a step in that direction, but maybe they continue it. I don't know. Maybe maybe once Collision's up and running, we can get something something there as well. Yeah, that, that's another one. We, we talked a few weeks ago about all the people we'd like to see since there's an extra two hours of TV. I would like... I want them to bring the Rankins back. That's what I really want. But failing that... Put a trio together, give them like two wins on television ahead of a, a, I know it's an open challenge, but that's kind of a, that's a kind of a, because we don't want to build up people up, we can just have people challenge. Let's, let's get back to, let's get back to some semblance of a full ranking system where people work up a couple of wins on TV before, um, before challenging. Uh, And just to jump forward to Dynamite a little bit, they, they had a weird promo where they were like, let's see if we can get Billy Gunn one more title before he calls it a career. Which is so funny because when I used to play with my wrestling toys back when I was a kid, I remember there was one storyline that I had, which was Billy Gunn was going to retire, but was making one last run at the world title. And it was called Billy Gunn's Gold Run. (laughs) This just made me think of that. I was like, my God, they're doing my story from 15, 20 years ago, whatever it was. Um. Yeah, so I, I think it's interesting. That's that's certainly a, a, a way to engage the audience in the whole. Let's get Billy Gunn one more one more run with a belt. I think that's that's a clever way of doing it. But we'll see if it happens. We'll <laughs> see. Um. Let me see. Then we had Jade versus uh, uh, Taya Valkyrie. Uh, retaining against Taya. This was this was like almost exactly like what we talked about, where it was maybe a little bit better than the TV match, and so therefore one of Jade's better matches, but not not anything kind of. It was all right, not anything right. memorable, no. not anything memorable. But it was okay. I mean, I, 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 I have to say, well, I suppose yeah. Just th- this this match segment wasn't anything memorable. I have to I have to say as well. I'll I'll put my hands up and say I was very negative on them bringing in Taya, but but she's been she's been perfectly she solid. Uh, uh, you know, TV TV wrestler, which they need more of. They need more of. So, so one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And then um, suddenly, Mark Sterling gets on the microphone and and um, and says, "Yokozuna beat Bret Hart." <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. For some reason, I, we're not satisfied. I can't believe, right? Because Jade Cargill said this on Twitter after the fact, and I'm raging they didn't say it on the night. She said, I went for double and I got nothing. How didn't they say that on the show? <laughs> she went for two wins and she left with nothing. Oh my God. Anyway. That's a good yeah. line. That's a good That's line. a very good. Sterling should have had that. He should have had, we're going for double or nothing. But anyway, because uh, they and they did set this up on TV a few weeks ago where she was like, I'm fucking so good at whooping everyone. She did two matches on, I think, Rampage there a few weeks ago. Uh, and who should come out? But the new and improved Chris Statlander doing all her sign language. More than a woman. Yeah. She's back. Um, and they had a good little... Uh, it had it had that air of a kind of a money in the bank type moment of it where they just did a couple of moves, but the crowd were amped up for every single part of it. Yes. Uh, and Statlander did win, and she got her confetti. and <sighs> I don't know if this is exactly what I pictured. I think everyone imagined she'd come back and beat Jade. I don't know if this was the circumstances. No, I, I, I would have liked her to earn it a little bit more, but that's that's yeah. just 
the way the business is now is everyone wins by cashing in on the tired yeah. people. And, so and, and, and fucking earn it like they used to. I hate that. Although I'm, I'm hopeful that, that they'll, they'll do right by Statland. I mean, they had her again, something that they can ever do that, that, that Jade, you know, Jade would wrestle fairly often, obviously, but it is just the, the matches are so limited. I think they're going to have Statlander kind of be the, the women's division equivalent to Cassidy just on TV, having matches, having good matches every week. And uh, I, I imagine she'll probably... Well, I, I actually don't know. I was about, I was about to say, she, I imagine she'll beat Jade for real. Eh, she'll beat her in a rematch, I'd say. Do you think so? I, I, I don't know, because this, this finish to me very much screamed, it's time to move on from Jade, which I think everyone agrees on. But we have to protect her because she's Jade and she's special and she is special in a way. Um, and they had Taya watching the monitor for Statlander on Dynamite. So I'm like, is Statlander's big? Okay, let's. Let, I'm going to do it for real. Moment going to be at Taya's expense because that doesn't really, that doesn't really count because she's just lost twice anyway. Um, I don't know, but I'm at least interested in where they go, and I'm very interested in uh, no no Jade on TV this week. I'd say they'll do the sensible thing, which is she'll probably just go away for a while and and you know. Right. Sell sell the loss, you know. But uh yeah, any other notes on Statlander being back? No, it was great to see her. Great to see her. Great to see her. Absolutely. Um, uh just in time to remind everyone of how really outdated that video game model is that they have her in the <laughs> luminous green alien garb. <laughs> About two gimmicks ago at this stage. Uh but yeah, great to see her back. Uh, that led in to the four-way match for the AW World Championship. This is the section of the show where people kind of said this this brought the show back from the brink. Uh, this match was good. I, I didn't love it as much as a lot of This match got four and three-quarter stars from uh, David Meltzer. <laughs> his French cousin. His French cousin. Ho, ho, his French cousin juggler. Um, uh, 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 newsletter writer. Um, yeah, I, it was good. I, I thought like the the sequence where they did all their mentors' moves and the sequence where they were sitting in one big human centipede submission. Ah, it's a bit, <laughs> bit cutesy for me. A bit too. We're having a fake match and thought this would be a clever idea for for my tastes, but um. I'll always give people credit for not doing the two guys sit on the floor while two guys do moves in the ring thing. So I'll give them that. Uh, what did you make of it? Oh, I disagree. I thought it was excellent. Okay. Okay. I mean, I am in the minority on that. I know that. I did watch it live as well. I don't know if that makes an impact. Possibly. I, it sounds of- like people were like spiritually uplifted by this show finally having <laughs> yeah. a really fun match. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, there, there, so, yeah, there that's certainly fair. might have been an element of fatigue of everything and then and then Statlander comes back and then we got a fun match. I was like, oh here we go. But while watching it live I thought I had a really fun time with it. I thought it was really, really a slow slow burned into a full on outstanding match. Despite the fact that they were handicapped by the um result being so obvious. I think even even despite that they went out and had an excellent match. Really, really impressed. By, by everyone involved. I will say, I think MJF's uh, shouting during the match is something that I'm a little bit tired of now. He doesn't like, quite do it as well as Kevin Owens. In fact, it, yeah. it, it often comes off very, very cheesy. Yeah, uh, I, I, thought, I thought it was silly, but I, it's all right. I mean, it, it, it is... It is it's very camp, isn't it? It's like, wait, 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 no! It's very, <laughs> it's very like, almost like, 
British wrestling camps, uh, uh, like play to the cheap seats and the kids uh, uh, yeah. behavior. But I, yeah. um, but I feel like it's the kind of thing that you 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 dial down as you move into that top echelon. Mm. If that makes any sense. But um, no, I was I was thoroughly impressed. I thought I thought everybody involved did, did extremely well as I expected. I was kind of thinking this was going to be one of the better matches on the show, and I, I thought it delivered pretty yeah. much unanimously. Yeah, uh, I also like I. I also just, I'm not into this like headlock takeover thing they're trying to get over with MJF and and Darby. I think it's really lame. But um, you know, for a heel finish for MJF, I thought it was all right. I, I I did like the 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 preamble to that, which was he Darby goes for the coffin uh, um, coffin drop, and MJF puts the title on Jungle Boy, so Darby bonks his noggin, and then uh, and then being with the headlock again, headlock takeover. Yeah, yeah, which so even though I'm not into the headlock stuff, that that knockout preamble I thought was clever, uh, and that brought us to Anarchy in the Arena featuring. A uh, really annoying band doing a, a weird cover of Wild Thing for the first half of it. Um, but to be fair, they did pay that off by having the Bucks superkick the lead guy and his questionable uh, face paint he had on for that uh, that uh, match. What did you make of this match and how it compared to last year and things like that? What did you make of the match? Uh, well, we discussed last week kind of what my hopes for it were, and I think it pretty much aligned with what I was wanting it to be. Mm. Uh, I, would, I would nearly need to revisit the first one, because the first one felt a lot more creative and yeah. out there. Not not necessarily bordering on like a, a comedy match or anything like that, but it felt like there was, there was more thought put into the creative spots and stuff like that, whereas this one felt a, bit, a little bit closer to a... Uh, blood and guts in a way, even though it didn't have the double ring or the cage. It felt a lot more about the uh, the action, which I appreciate. That's kind of what I was hoping it was going to be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I thought it was again loved it, outstanding. Um, just 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 blown away, and, and it, it didn't rely on too many hokey tricks or, you know overly cute like with with young bucks and i i don't point the finger specifically at them but you know too many cutesy little spots and but you can and you'd be right if you did you know (laughs) yeah no i mean the stuff that they did i thought kind of was in tune with or in tone with the match at least the uh the thumbtacks in the feet and the the exploding um runner and stuff yeah that stuff was not great like that, that that worked in the context of the match it, it absolutely worked. Yeah, I, I thought that was great. I read that like uh, Matt Jackson had to become like a like registered like fire performer <laughs> yeah. uh, in order to fit an explosive to his foot, which is which I'm glad they went through the necessary process to do that. Um, yeah, no, it was great. It 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 had a very tough act to follow. I did like immediately afterwards. I watched the first one. I rewatched it because I loved it so much. They had a very tough act to follow. That match is incredible. I don't think it quite topped it, but it did. It did almost as well, which is it, it hung with it. I think is a fair way to right. say it. It, 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 right. it. They, they lived up to the spirit of that first one, even if it was maybe not quite as good, but um, yeah, really great. And a, and a, a, a nice shocking twist finish with Takeshita. And, um, uh, you know, they made a really a nice, clever decision having Yuta pin Omega. Like, they really yes. make those things count. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this this feud continues to, to be one of the better things that AEW is doing overall. Um, so, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed it. And that was um, 
Yeah, that was double or nothing. It was it was it was definitely a weak show. I mean, you know, we were enthusiastic about that battle royale, but you, going back over it as well for this show, I'm just looking at these results. Like, oh God, yeah, that and that and oh, this went wrong. Is like yeah, it was it was it was weak. Um, but typically, knock on wood, that you know when when AW has a show of that caliber, they they tend to to really course correct and, and try and bounce back. And TV was good this week. And we're, we're we're full steam ahead to Forbidden Door. Yeah, um, and I, yeah, and and the finish of the match obviously was a shocker. Yeah, with uh, Big Kanosuke. and we'll get to discuss Dynamite. But um, I thought that was a nice a nice little twist at the end. Mm. Um, interested to see where they go forward from there. Yeah. Um, just on the on the wrestling news there, as we segue out of Double or Nothing, I actually didn't put this on the run sheet because it just came about a couple of hours ago. Uh, news coming out of Dominion. It looks like the table is being set for yes. the um, the Forbidden Door card, which is in Canada in three weeks, I believe it is. Now, last year's show was very, very, very good, but it was you know a lot of multi bands and a lot of tags, and it's kind of like okay, you know. But obviously, cool. obviously, with with injuries and stuff, a lot of stuff got. They had, they had injuries on top of the usual political strife when you're doing an interpromotional show. So I, I didn't go in saying, here's here's my card. Kenta versus CM Punk. Uh, Antonio <laughs> Inoki versus John Moxley. You know, you don't go in there with, with um, God rest Inoki. Uh, you know, after last year, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm not gonna. You're not gonna go crazy." And one of the one of the exact cliche things I would have said until a few hours ago was, "You know, you're not gonna expect Brian Danielson versus Okada." You know, uh, <laughs> sure enough, they didn't. Or they didn't really announce that they had Brian Danielson challenge Okada, but they, all the official accounts were tweeting the video and saying, "Will he show up at Forbidden Door?" Which is code for you know that's what they're doing. And it seems like they all confirmed Omega versus Osprey two as well. Um, so I mean, and the funny thing is, to be fair, if those are the two top matches and they want to stick everyone else in tags, that's fair. That's fair. You're, you're going all out. I've also seen people, this is complete speculation, but since they couldn't do it last year, you know, will they go back to Punk Tanahashi? Uh, since they didn't get to do it last year, that remains to be seen. Obviously Punk isn't even back on TV yet. Um, he's also coming back to TV like a week before the show. So they have a, they'd have to very quickly make that match. But uh, yeah, what do you make of that? Those uh, for, for for two opening opening gambits for Forbidden Door Two. <laughs> I mean, that's about as good as it gets. Um, part of me was hoping that they would go back to Danielson's Zack Saber Junior. after it fell apart last year, but I'm not going to turn my nose up at Danielson Okada <laughs> necessarily. No. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm. Yeah, and I mean, o- Omega Osprey is one of the best matches of recent time. So. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, the, that's about as good a 1A and, and, and 1B as you could have, I think. That's it, yeah. I mean, there's no, there's not really too many ways to slice it, is it? Just they've come out swinging with two massive headliners. Um, uh, that is that is a great card. And I heard I heard the AEW, AEW involvement in, in Dominion today was good with the Blackpool Combat Club match. I heard it was very good. Uh, they also announced the G1 participants, and amongst the 75 people in the G1 this year, Eddie Kingston. <laughs> oh, God. Remember the the quaint old days where the G one was twenty people. Yeah, I try. I can't. I didn't. I didn't know what the actual number is, but they, it's a thirty two. Thirty two individuals. Uh, but they might as well use the old uh, the the greatest G one branding, like WWE. Yeah, yeah. Rumble, dude. Um, I've said this for like the last three G ones and Super Juniors, but now I'm like, all right, now I might get the old New Japan back, the world, New Japan World back because I'm. 
I want to see Kingston in Japan. I want to see him in Japan. That's fair. That's fair. Um, and I, you know, last time I watched the G One, I watched everything, including the undercard tags. I obviously haven't watched the last. Like, I haven't watched the last like two G Ones. I'll ease myself back in and just watch the matches, the the, the crucial matches for uh, right for this. But we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm interested in him and, and the lineup. Other than that, is solid. But yeah, that's the uh, that's the other news here. I mean, other than that, um, uh, we've got you know the we got the confirmation that CM Punk is 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 back. Um, which I believe <laughs> on. Uh, yeah, I mean, we want to talk about the the segment on Dynamite. Um, it was a little bit of a whiff. Um, what do you mean? Well, Tony Khan comes up on the screen and goes, I, I, "I have an announcement, and on Collision will be CM Punk." Uh, hard cut away, and he disappears. I would have done something a little bit more visual, a little video package, little. Uh, mystery to it, you know. On Collision, we're going to have a lot of great superstars, including. Let me throw this to man. the video. This man, and and you have a video, and you're showcasing again. Just a little reminder: Thunder Rosa, Andrade, Miro, Powerhouse Hobbs. You're you're showing you're you're building these other people up through association with the big reveal, and then you have. I don't know the 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 shot of the 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 legs, the feet, or something, and you get a into the music mm. something bigger something a little bit more um visual and and a little bit of pageantry to yeah. it the old the old kurt angle tna video the old, perfect example the old kurt the angle TNA chicago video. flag in the silhouette <laughs> something something <laughs> like that the, well the fact, the fact that you on. remember the kurt angle tna video yeah you're right for me enough of a confirmation about no that. you're right you are right I I I think I haven't really thought about it, but you are right. It was a, it was a little bit it was a little bit dry, but now I'm thinking about it. I wonder did they want that sort of live focus test of his re- reactions, which they got. You know, the old rather than doing a video where it goes for thirty seconds and people people pop out pop themselves out while the video is playing. Did right. they want to just say his name and then cut and just what, what? What are people doing? Are they cheering? Are they booing? Are they chanting? Are they chanting for the elite? Are they going crazy? I think maybe it was a little bit of that. Like, let's let's just see what happens when you just say the name. What do, what do the people do? Uh, and I, it was interesting. I mean, it seemed mostly positive, but there's there is definitely people who this is you know the the elite fans versus the punk fans. That is not. That is not just online bubble stupidity. That is real. And I think I talked about it at the time when I went to Full Gear, um, uh, all the, so much small talk I heard. People were so glad to see the back of him, which I thought was fucking crazy. I was raging. I would have loved to have seen CM Punk when I was over there. And, and that was, they chanted fuck CM Punk and all that other stuff at the show, which not everyone was doing. But I think that's what makes it interesting is that that divide is real. That divide is there are people who I mean that's right there in the name of the company who are like you you it's kind of like the people who are you know the people who like WWE who are like do not ever speak ill of the Undertaker ever not even <laughs> don't ever do that the hijack raw yeah, yeah really? the, I love the hijack raw Chancey and Pug Champ Brian Danielson Undertaker is a legend Undertaker is a legend he will always be something else or whatever they said in, in this list of like ways to disrupt the show like they that that kind of is that kind of is the elite to to them it's like it's like it's like 
it doesn't matter about the particulars of what happened. It doesn't matter how great or not great you, CM Punk is. Like you, you, you fucked with the guys who started this company. We love. I think that's. I think that is very real, um, right. and I think it's great. I think. I think we're heading straight for fucking ninety-seven Raw, where it's going to be every week. It's going to be a different reaction for the top guys, and I think that's way more interesting than than if he just came back and it was the smiling, waving CM Punk tour. Like we got the first time. Uh, the only thing that lets me down is is that is that with the split rosters, I I think so much that's going to go to waste because I think they're not going to capitalize on it because it seems that the relevant parties do not want to directly mix. Sadly, you know. Yeah. Uh, but we'll, well see. I yes. mean, look at, at the same time, in terms of wanting your cake and eating it, all we really called for at, at the beginning was at least some kind of compromise. Yes. And look, you'll take it. You'll take what you can get. You get your two shows a week. If you like CM Punk, you can watch the CM Punk show. If you like the Elite, you can watch the Elite show. For myself, fans of both, I'll just watch both shows. It'll be grand. Um, I, I, I still think that's a better solution than CM Punk never comes back. I agree. I am with you on that. I'm absolutely with you on that. Um, yeah. So... Uh that is the news, and uh, yeah, it seems like it's uh, helping out the old ticket sales, which seems to be the real reason they just announced it, because they're just like, let's let's sell some of these tickets. And I, 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 I love that every every show that they're promoting is AW Collision in Saskatchewan in Canada, and it's just a picture of CM Punk. It's just a CM Punk picture now. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, there was one. I can't remember which one. There was one of those shows that had before Punk was like it had like five hundred tickets sold. It was like all right. Mm-hmm. Which, to be fair, look. I mean, look. We all saw what happened with Rampage. There's probably a decent portion of the audience who heard, "Oh, AW's adding another two hours of TV, and it's prime time on Saturday." And they went, "Yeah, right. what?" As if I'd go to that, you know. Um, and they're also doing like house shows. They, yeah, like what's what, what if you're not if you're not in the bubble and you don't know it's it's a fucking they're doing like a brand split. And it's a CM Punk show and it's gonna be it's gonna be like Dynamite. You have no way of knowing that based on the fact that they just said, "Hey, we're doing a show called Collision." Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that's all the 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 real news. I mean, it seems like Punk and Steel are going to be heavily involved in the creative. Uh, another name floating around seems to be Brian Danielson as well, which is really making Collision sound like the show I want to watch. Uh, and, uh, you know, I mean, this week on Dynamite, we had the Dark Order going, oh, hey, Hangman, hanging out with your real friends. As I was like, get the fuck with this. I was like... I know what you mean. It, it, I'm it's, like... It's very um, Laguna Beach. Oh, you're hanging out with Skylar. Is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, like, uh, and I love the elite as performers, but like their their stuff that they do that obviously has their creative input. I just fucking hate. I just don't like. I just, I just think they bring out the worst of each other. I, I would love to, them to go to Saturdays to be booked by Brian Danielson and CM Punk. Funnily enough, because I think they use them way more interestingly than they use themselves. But um, yeah, I mean, I mean, B- Big Tone has to really be the. Oh, absolutely! Oh, I completely. He, he, the, the buck stops there. Pun not intended. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So we'll we'll see how all that stuff shakes out. That's all. I mean, the show is not on the air yet, but we'll see. Um. So yeah, that's collision. Uh, I don't think there's any other wrestling news this week uh yeah that's it and i didn't really have any life golf this week uh had a barbecue yesterday 
It was it was so good. I actually can't. I was floored by it. steaks. Oh, uh, steaks. There's nothing better than a barbecued steak. It's done properly because I last week had a barbecue, not this week, but I have the thermometer. I think I might have mm. mentioned this before. And you can nail, get it perfectly medium rare on the barbecue, which is a little bit tough to do because you can't really properly regulate regulate the heat on the barbecue. Um, at least with like charcoals or whatever, which is how we do it. Um, and I had a lovely, probably inch and a half thick steak. Ooh. And other people had gone to the super value and got strip loins that were fucking the, the, the thickness of like a squashy. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And, and they were just dry and, and mine had juices coming out. Mm. So I don't know what it is. Yeah, just cooking cooking over charcoal makes everything taste better. No, the little smokiness to it, the little char on it. It was it was sensational. A, a buddy of mine, uh, uh, it was like a, a, a nice uh, um, day where he was he, he was cooking and he was entertaining ourselves and also a lot of his wife's friends. His wife's Brazilian and he really felt the pressure doing barbecue for Brazilians. He's like, I got to get these steaks just right using all the knowledge I've learned from them over the, the, the years. Oh, buddy, he nailed it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I'll throw out as well. Obviously, number one. Fuck Brazilians, right? No, absolutely <laughs> not. No, come on now. I've had some bad experiences. Um, no, I'm joking, of course. But um, if you get if you can get a picanha steak, it's a specific cut that they have a lot in Brazil. Okay. Blah, 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 blah. Even better. But uh, yeah, no, it was great. And, Sorry, you know, Brazil, by the way. I thought you're not no, all bad. He, he takes that back. He loves Brazil, and I do now. I'm, 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 I. That was oh, for sure. They're lovely people. A lovely, lovely. Yeah, people. the 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 steak was all nice, and then there was also you know, those chicken wings. There was burgers. There was sausages. There was there was the yeah. works. There was the works. Uh, corn on the cob as well. Ladi da. Um, anyway, uh, but other than that, no, no real life go for me. What about yourself? No, um, just been doing a lot of walking, really. Every oh, yeah. every uh, evening, I've been going into the park, and the park has some um, like uh, exercise machines dotted around it, which I think you see in some parks nowadays. So I, I do a two hour walk, and I'm hitting the hitting the, the free gym, so to speak, that they have out there. So I'm doing about fifteen thousand steps every day, and and working out, and then today I walked down to. Blanchardstown Shopping Center. I'm just going to check my steps now for what what I got for today. Uh, Twenty seven thousand. So we're still trying to get the old uh, the old body into a good a good shape. But going so far, uh, yeah, going good. I've dropped about fifteen pounds. No, which okay. is very very nice compared to how I was before. Uh, has to be updating the old dating app pictures now that I'm all sexy again. <laughs> but no, in, in terms of. Uh, I mean, the week was fairly quiet. I watched a lot, a lot of movies, TV, played a lot of Zelda. Um, worked a lot. Obviously, we didn't get the uh, the Monday bank holiday. Ours is tomorrow mm. over here in Ireland. Um, but yeah, fairly, fairly nondescript week in the old life. Alrighty. Uh, yeah, same over here. We'll uh, jump on then to the. Uh, we'll follow up our, our double or nothing chat with Dynamite. Dynamite, which is a good show this week. Kicked off with Blackpool Combat Club defeating the uh, Lucha Brothers and Bandito. Good match. Another another Wheeler Yuta win. Um, 
I like yeah. that they're they're get, kind of getting behind Yuta, giving him some um, some wins because he was like what what Sammy Guevara was saying about himself in the in the Jericho groups. It's like Wheeler Yuta was always kind of like the fall guy in the group, but the, mm. lately it feels like he's been elevated up somewhat because obviously all the other guys have have tenure and are known for being big stars in in other companies, and Yuta is like the the young boy, etc. But Lately, I think he's 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 been elevated and and it shows, and he's doing very well with it. Yeah, so yeah, another another fun match here, uh, and that segued into the aforementioned elite segment where they were talking about uh, can we get a follow up on Kenny, and they didn't have one. He said he was out of the country, and and the um, uh, the dark order came up, and yeah, there you go. So we're back to doing that. Um, Jay White interview with Shivani setting up an FTR feud. Not much to it. Um, yeah, not much to it. Uh, <laughs> you know, got, uh, yeah. Jay White got to speak a little bit, which is nice, but not. It was pretty basic stuff. I mean, it was. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the FTR Bullet Club Gold thing i think bullet club gold really need almost a third person just to shake it up and you know what what they've done to this point has been fairly bland some kind of twist to the story some kind of fucking some kind of um so just some kind of twist to, to to shake that story up bring it back from the uh the rigor mortis pattern it's kind of in at the moment <laughs> um yeah, I don't know because obviously we're not Jay Whiteheads, but there is no, there, no. there is opportunity for something there. So let's yeah, no, and he's he's, he's been all right. He has been all right to be fair. He's been all right. Uh, yeah, we got the CM Punk announcement here. Then we got a, a three way match. This seemed odd, but it was based on the booking of the uh, uh, the Battle Royale. Uh, we got Big Bill Swerve and Trent in a three way. Uh, yeah. Really good, yeah, very fun match. Big uh, Bill. I'm going to give the big thumbs up lately. That's right. I thought I thumb up the size of the man himself. The biggest thumb in the world. Yeah. He's great. He's great. He Trent, is great. Trent's, Trent's always been good. Don't get me wrong. But Trent, um, Trent hasn't had any character development for what feels like ever. He feels like someone in a bit of a holding, holding pattern as well. I'd like to see them do something different with him. Um, yeah. And uh, who else was in this match? Sorry, uh, Swerve. Swerve, oh, fucking one of, the, one of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah, I agree on Trento. I think he, he's good, but he's he's definitely in a holding pattern. But uh, I think I, I I don't know where else you'd really slot him at the moment. But um, but yeah, uh, uh, Bill, very impressive. Turn him and Chuck Heel. Call, call him worst enemies. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've heard worse ideas. Um. Uh, yeah, Swerve won, and they didn't say this is a number one contender match, but they made uh, uh, Cassidy versus Swerve for next week, which oh, will almost certainly be very good. Give me that. Hook, hook it to my veins right away. And uh, we we got the uh, Rene Acclaimed segment, uh, which we talked about uh, earlier. Yeah. They didn't rap. They did not rap. They just came out. They were all business. And they just spoke. Imagine you go to see... Dynamite, and you claimed you're on it for the first time in weeks. You're like, oh, yes, here we go. And then they don't even rap. Nah. Very annoying. Very annoying. 
we got the uh, we got the Callus uh, uh, Takeshita um, uh, promo with Shivani in the ring. Uh, this was fantastic. This was this was uh, a good illustration of just how seriously uh, people are into this uh, Callus angle. It turns out a lot. It got some of the best heat you'll hear on TV ever anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Ever, yeah. This is like one of this is one of those great segments that you'll definitely remember for years to come. Uh, uh, Can I just say as well? Reactions in terms of attire. So you have Takeshi to turn heel, and you're like, right? How do we make this lad look like the biggest star in the biz? Okay, we're gonna make him look like some kind of yakuza boss. He had the, co- the 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 cool black jacket on. It with was the gold very cool. Yeah. Oh man, and his his uh, his voice as well, and his accent just serves to accentuate his character. I feel like and make him feel like an even bigger star. I was totally blown away by this. Yeah, he was he was fantastic in his limited like role. He 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 spoke briefly in Japanese and then just said, "We're going to destroy Kenny Omega." It was great. He was great. I, I hope they stick with the thing of letting him just speak in his native language because it was very effective. And, um, you know, he's got a great manager, so he doesn't have to... But even when he spoke in do, English, it was good. It, it, was, it was perfectly good, but I thought it was way more commanding when he was speaking in his own language. Yeah. You know what I mean? Let him let him cut his own promos, uh, and then you can have Callus do the, the English legwork. I think that's totally fine. Let's uh, bring him yeah. back from Lucha Underground. He's interviewed backstage, and they subtitle it. I think more places should do that. I really don't know why that doesn't catch on. Um, no, instead we get Alex Abrihantis going, Penta says, well, I'm dressed like a seven-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, anyway. Uh, let me see here. Uh, that was a good segment. So, Callison yeah, it, it, Takeshita was excellent. Loved it. It was, Loved excellent. It. it was excellent. We still didn't get that much of an explanation uh, from Callis, I feel like we're, we're not going to get a super meaningful one. Um, but he basically said that the, you know Callis said that Kenny like chose the elite over him, even though he got him all those titles, blah blah. blah. Uh, but yeah, uh, let me see here: uh, Cassidy and Darby Allen against the Gates of Agony, who I thought were really good in this match. Uh, I thought they really showed out. Uh, it's a shame that like there is this big physically imposing team. And the only time you see him on dynamite is to lose. Uh, (laughs) That's true. And they are champions in ring of honor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But this match was good. You know, get Darby a win back um, from the, from the taking the loss of the pay-per-view. Yeah. Not much to it. Let me see here. We got Hook coming out to do something with Shivani, and then uh, Jose the Insistent interrupted uh, with Drillistico and Preston Vance. They tried to swarm him, and then Jungle Boy made the save. So Jungle Hook is back. Yeah, Hook's away from the Hardys immediately. Yeah, let's get. I mean, I think this is a much better direction. That those few weeks where they were together was genuinely really cool. Um, and this seems like a much better direction than what either of them were doing beforehand. So. And let, let's, I think this is a good fit as well for the um, Jungle Boy heel turn on Hook. Because Hook is so beloved as a babyface. I think it I think it'll get Jungle Boy over gangbusters, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, we got a Tony Storm interview, and she was like, she had this like, like disingenuous smile on her face the whole way through it. I thought she was so funny and very annoying uh, in a very effective <laughs> way. She was really great in this. Um, I think I think for an angle that started so shaky, I think I think she in, in particular is really finding her feet uh, as a heel, and I think I think you know, absolute right call for someone to to dethrone Hader and and kind of carry the flag for the division for a while. Oh, she's great, and you know when I was saying earlier, I, I don't think. Oh no, I know, yeah, yeah, she's not suitable. It was just the way that she, she's been built up. She never seemed yeah. like the one, but no, she's very good. And if they can kind of shift focus to her to be kind of the the leader of the group. I think that'd be cool. Uh, we got uh, Statlander defeating Nyla Rose, which I thought was a good uh, a good reintroduction for Statlander. Good competitive match. Um, yeah, what you make of it? Yeah, I mean, it serves its purpose to to get Statlander through a match. Yeah, get back into it. She won with four fifty, which is a nice finish. Yeah, I know she's done that before, but. Um, yeah, she's she's not a she's not like a Rio sized lady. So that was that no, was no, yeah, it was very impressive. And then the main event was the aforementioned mixed tag: uh, Jericho and Soraya versus Baker and Cole. Uh, I mean, wasn't wasn't much. It was all right. It was better than the the thing at the pay per view. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, Soraya is. Man, it's just I don't know. She has to be getting paid a lot of money. You know she has to be getting paid a lot of money. Mm. Uh, but it was not good. But whatever. I, I hope this is just the, this feud being put in the rearview mirror now. Yeah, I mean the 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 fear though is what's next for these people. Like obviously there was there was um whispers about Adam Cole being next for MJF. I'd say he seriously needs to get his uh his form. Improved yeah, drastically. Yeah. He would be demolished in a in a promo battle, you know, to say the yeah. least. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. What's next for these people is actually interesting. I. Yeah, I don't know. Who's another? You know, I mean, Jericho's pattern is kind of. He obviously seems to want to elevate people, so it's like find a mid carder, feud with them for like slightly too long, but ultimately lose to them. Um. So who even? Who evens left, but I suppose everything's going to be up in the air for the next two weeks anyway. Because I imagine things will take shape on Collision. Now I know he's not going to be a Collision guy; it doesn't seem like. But um, but yeah. Anyway, we had a Rampage Championship Friday. This is a this is a very fun edition of Rampage. We'll run through it here very quick. very different edition. Because very different. It, yeah. had, it had very little AEW uh, involvement. Yeah, it was kind of all titles on the line and no AEW titles, which is kind of funny. Um, yeah. It opened with the mega championship match from AAA, uh, Vikingo retaining over Drillistico and Commander. Exact match you'd expect, but in, in a good way. Yeah, I, I'm already feeling a little bit like <laughs> I'm going to sound very negative here, but when we when we get Vikingo out, it's it's the greatest hits, and every yeah. match is the same. Ten or so high spots, depending on who he's wrestling. But this this felt very much like a. And especially Commander, with the guys he's in, Commander's the same. He does his same six moves every match. And so there's a little bit of fatigue with that. And I just feel like this was a match that didn't give me much new 
except that one spot at the beginning where they're all jumping over each other for no apparent reason. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was still good. There was still uh, amazing athleticism, etc., in it, but I don't know. I feel like sometimes you need to space out. Maybe don't do spot XYZ in this one and then kind of, kind of rotate your moves to an extent. Yeah, the the table thing is ridiculous. It's like it's an incredible spot, but we have now seen it in AW alone, like twice, and then like another twice in Ring of Honor. I'm fairly sure. So you know, but yeah, yeah. it was alright. It was it was a good match nonetheless. Um, we got uh, let me see here. We got this is where they said they did an interview where they set up <laughs> uh, Aubrey and Karen, I guess. Yeah. Um, Saxaber Junior defeated Action and Andretti. Um, I was shocked. Obviously. I thought Andretti was going to win the New Japan TV title. Are you being sarcastic? Curious. Very. Okay, You're, that was actually quite a good deadpan delivery because I didn't tell you. <laughs> <it was laughs> Thank you. But um, yeah, so this is the 15 minute time limit uh, uh, championship. It was good. Don't get me wrong. It was. It was all right. Yeah, I mean, I'm still really not sold on Andretti, but he told the, the obvious story of like he. Took the momentum and he was flying around, and then Saber was grounding him, and he, you know, he had to fight up from that position. It was all right. It was it was a good match. Uh, Saber did well as he usually does. He he he's great. Uh, he I got over quite well. Great uh, well. We got um, uh, the New Japan Strong Women's Championship: Willow Nightingale defeating Emi Sakura, which uh, Jr. explained to us was notable because Willow wasn't even supposed to win that dang match. <laughs> did he say that? I missed that. Uh, yeah, and then and then he went, and then like after about ten seconds of silence, he went, "There's a real underdog in that against Miss Monari." Yeah, he said she said she wasn't supposed to win the match. Is like this guy is brutal. Uh, but yeah, this is a good match. I feel like Emmy every time she's allowed on the actual TV shows, she kills it. Um, good stuff. Uh, yeah, again, not not much to say about it. This was this was just a show of just good wrestling matches for the most part. Um, yeah, I don't know if you'd entered on that one. I wish it was a little bit longer. So, a bit. I guess it's only a, an hour show, so they have to. They have to yeah, they they um, squeeze a lot in. Yeah. yeah, I mean this this show generally, I felt like flew by. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so maybe maybe I was just enjoying it so much that I felt like oh, some of these matches. Maybe if we had three matches, we could have. Lengthen them out a little bit, but like, yeah. they're, they're all good. Uh, we had uh, Shibata retaining the pure title against Lee Moriarty. Um, Moriarty's another guy who it's just like he's not on TV consistently enough, and they wheel him out for like rampage to matches, lose, to lose, and it's like the crowd isn't nearly as as up for it as you'd want them to be. It's like, well, what what can the guy do? You know what I mean? He's, he's and also, like this is this would have been three hours into a, a dynamite taping, and you're doing a pure rules match. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it's I know it's Shibata, <laughs> but the the crowd can only do so much. But uh, it was yeah. all right, other than that. But um, I think the big I think the big thing uh, to take away from it was that they set up Garcia Shibata afterwards. Ooh, very nice. So, and yeah, this, we'll, this, this felt kind of New Japan-y as well, where the champion retained and then the challenger came out. Yes, yeah, very much, very much. They were they started this week advertising um, the next Ring of Honor pay-per-view, which will be in July. So I guess they'll stretch the Garcia thing out to um, to that, which would be good. Um, I think it'll absolutely be on that show. And, I mean, if you had on your bingo card... Um, Shibata defending a title against a a sexy dancing 
Daniel <laughs> Garcia. Um, you probably would have won a bit of money on that, I'd say. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to go back and check my card. But um, yeah, that was Rampage. It was good. Uh, a really, a really, a really enthusiastic week of um, uh, of AWTV this week. Uh, let's segue out of wrestling. It's a lot of wrestling talk there that we did. And let's mm. talk about some movies. What movies did you watch this week? Uh, I watched two movies. Um, so famously, I went to see a movie this year, which is now available online, by the way. I'll give a, I'll give a big recommendation. Okay. Blackberry, uh, which I saw at the Dublin International Film Festival mm-hmm. and met the director, Matt Johnson, and got him to sign my copy of Goldeneye, um, which is, uh, again, a... Uh, a plot point in one of the episodes of Nirvana, the band, the show, which I need to rewatch uh, soon. But I love that. I loved Blackberry. I knew it was out this week, so I do want to. Uh, I don't. I'm not sure if it's available on this side of the world. I think it might just be in the US. On like, uh, you know, you can download or buy it. I don't think it's streaming right. anyway. Or, or, or sorry, uh, buy or rent it. I guess. Um, but I loved Blackberry when I saw it. I love Nirvana, the band. Uh, the show, so I've been a big Matt Johnson fan for a very long time, but I had never seen his other two movies he made. He's made three movies. Blackberry was the first movie of his I ever went, I ever watched. Okay, um, and I was watching an interview with him, um, and in the interview he made reference to one of his other movies, uh, which is called Operation Avalanche. That um, there was actually a Blu-ray produced of it only in Germany. And it's in of course, Germany. I, I, okay. it's a Canadian film, you know, made and produced in Canada by a Canadian director with a Canadian crew, very low budget, obviously. Uh, and there was a Blu-ray produced in Germany for some reason, which he apparently owns and which I now own. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll just say, uh, four stars. I'm absolute Fesselder thriller. According <laughs> to the guardian operation avalanche. S is kind of Luga. Wenn du fest daran glaubst. I don't know what that means. But I have now a German copy, which is the only place this was ever produced, of, of Operation Avalanche, directed by uh, my good friend, who I actually met in person, Matt Johnson. Um, and Operation Avalanche, like Blackberry, like Nirvana the Band the Show, and like The Dirties, the other movie I'm going to review shortly, which is the, the other Matt Johnson movie, which I sadly could not get a blu-ray of i i did have to oh but look i gave him money already I, I i paid money to see his other two movies so i feel like i've earned it um they are all well especially the dirties and operation avalanche they're low budget um mockumentaries although I, I feel like they almost don't fit in the mockumentary category exactly they, they are fake documentaries let's say that um but the tongue-in-cheek element of it isn't the fact that it's a fake documentary. That element of it is played very straight, and it's within the kind of ad-libbed, ad-libbed scenes that there's there's kind of comedic elements. Operation Avalanche is actually far less comedic than I thought it was going to be. It's it's kind of a bit more straightforward, but but nonetheless stronger for being it. Okay. Um, it is a again fake documentary on the uh, the moon landing and the faking of the moon landing. Okay. So Johnson and uh, Owen Williams play two CIA agents who um, are going to investigate a, a case in NASA 
where there's a mole, right? Posing as a documentary crew, but actually they, they, they get a little bit further into the uh, conspiracies that are happening at NASA and end up being involved in somewhat in documenting and being involved in a conspiracy to fake the moon landing as right. is a popular conspiracy theory. Right. Um, and it's, it's, I thought it was really, really good. Like I said, it's, it's not totally similar to Nirvana, the band or, or Blackberry, which are ostensibly comedies. First and yeah. foremost, Blackberry obviously does also have elements of like thriller to it. And, um, biopic although it's it's you know when people talk about your uh ford v ferrari and air which just came out and movies like that i'm i'm very tired of those movies blackberry is looking not one of those it's it's much much funnier um it's a little bit more straightforward but one thing that johnson does extremely well is tonal shifts and nailing a shocking ending which operation avalanche has in spades an absolute Hmm. killer ending um i wouldn't start with it though Definitely, definitely the way to do it is Nirvana the Band, the show as your intro, then Blackberry, his most successful movies, and then check out the other two, which are a little bit more esoteric. But very, very good. Um, interesting story. Uh, there's there's uh, actually backstory to it where they went to the um, Stanley Kubrick estate to ask if there were um, like behind-the-scenes footage from 2001 A Space Odyssey that they could use in this movie. <laughs> Because obviously there's there's allegations about Kubrick's involvement in yes, yeah. making of the moon landing. Uh, the Kubrick straight told him to fuck off. Uh, nevertheless, Kubrick's image appears in the movie through the use of fair use, which Matt Johnson is a huge fair use guy. Right. And uh, nearly every um, movie or TV show he's ever made is full of unlicensed content that they're using through fair use. Uh, and Operation Avalanche is no exception. Kubrick and his likeness appear fully in the movie uh, as well as explicit references to him that's great to, to one space Odyssey. so it is it is very good um uh, i do think it's the weakest of the three movies though okay well that's that's fair enough because we'll get on to the dirties now blackberry again is my favorite one blackberry i think i think is is legitimately like excellent uh, the dirties is his first movie so it's the most low budget and most um amateurish i guess but i think it's actually cleverer than operation avalanche the dirties is a documentary about teens who are making a movie i think it came out in 2013 teens who are making a movie uh who like attend a movie school and are making a movie about the people at the school who bully them okay right and so there's one scene early on where they're with the film teacher okay and they're they're shooting a scene with him he's going to be in their movie and it's all improvised. So they're saying, oh, we're going to say, these bullies are bullying us. What are you going to do about it? It's, it's almost like a, like a police uh, station. Hand in your badges. You're, you're off the case. That kind of conversation. And then later they show him the scene. And obviously all his bits are in it. But they've changed completely what they're saying to him. So they're like, fuck you. You're a fucking cunt. Blah, blah. And then they, they shoot and murder him at the end of it. And he's like, you can't use any of this. But the seed is planted. And, and where this film eventually goes is... Um, in relation to, you know, losing track of, of reality versus making a movie like the actually within the movie itself, which starts as a documentary about making a movie that meta gets lost throughout. And actually the film is, is about 
kind of mental illness and schizophrenia and and what's a movie and what's real. And there's one scene towards the end. I'm not going to spoil anything. Obviously. There's one yeah. scene towards the end where there's a conversation between the characters. You're always acting. You're never not acting. Like what's real and what's the film? You know, when, when you have something that's a behind the scenes documentary or even a, a, a documentary film, you do ask if, if it's a fly on the wall, always being recorded, always saying, what's real, what's performing for the thing. And right. that's kind of a, a, kind of a, a central theme of the movie really escalated and ratched up to 200 and again has a very very shocking ending that i've seen some people react to the film with like horrible reviews because of where it goes it is it is quite shocking the ending and uh, some people I, i'm sure would really not enjoy it but looking at the kind of the way the film goes starts as something so simple it's actually what i would liken it to in a way is uh, a tv show that we're going to review very shortly tim robinson's I think you should leave. Hmm. Um, some of the sketches start as one thing, like uh, it's like an infomercial. We're selling hair uh, growth product. Right. And then the sketch becomes something else. And then it's the sketch is about this other guy who's trying to put into the conversation. They're not going to tell him what it's about. And then by the end of the sketch, you forget that it was even an infomercial in the first place because it morphed so much throughout. This film felt very like that. It started as one thing. And by the end, it's transformed into this completely different, unsettling, bordering on horror movie thing. And it, right. uh, that, was, that was really, really clever. Like when you when you finish watching it, you analyze the central character's kind of arc. I thought it was really subtly like done. And like you don't even notice it's happening as you're watching it until the other characters are acting to it. Really, really great stuff. So you had you had to watch this through illicit means. I downloaded the movie. Without paying for it. Oh, you bastard. Well, sometimes they force your hand. What are you going to do? You're only human. Well, I, I, I think it was released on DVD, but like, it's not available. You can't get it. Like, so. Right. Okay, well, fair enough. And I paid yeah. for the other one. It's allowed. You paid for the... You went, you went and found a German fucking only <laughs> issuing of a film. I think, I think you're okay. I think yeah. you're okay. So, I've seen all his stuff now. I, I do need to rewatch Nirvana the Band of Show because that is still the, the peak in terms of... Uh, being a video game guy, a movie guy, like that series, in addition to being like a, an Ali G style, half candid camera, half improvised, like what is scripted, what is real. Uh, it's also chock-a-block full of video game references. Uh, sorry, not references, literally full of video game content that they never got the rights to use. Yeah. And uh, movies, the same. Like a lot of the intro, the intros to each episode is literally taken from, there's like a, a Indiana Jones intro and a Daredevil intro where they literally do the same. You know, graphics as the intro. Right. Steal, steal it. Fuck it. Fair use. But they're the movies I've watched and I thoroughly enjoyed both of them. Very, very good. But but I would say the two of them are are not for people who, who aren't familiar with Johnson and his work. Right. Okay. I need to get around to watching Blackberry first as well. I need to Blackberry is probably the most successful thing he's ever done. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it, it's very good. Also, a, a fantastic Glenn Howerton performance. And I'm not a always sunny in Philadelphia guy. I never have been. And I don't really know Howard. I don't really know Glenn Howerton. But he's excellent in it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen him in his little ball cap. I'm very, very excited. No, he shaved his head for it. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> Go. What, what a commitment. Yeah. Um, I was just, uh, that's a great commitment to the bit. I was actually just explaining to, to Brona the whole Henry Cavill, Mission Impossible, Justice League. The moustache. 
mustache situation because we were watching Mission Impossible 2 this Mm. week. Um, She has seen none of those films. I want to rewatch them all before the next one hits the cinema. Dead Reckoning. I want to see that today. I saw Fallout in the cinema and I was like, oh, what, what a film. Wow. What a fucking film. I can't wait. Was that, was that your first one in the cinema, Fallout? In the cinema, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what what a great experience. Uh, this one, Mission Impossible 2, this is the only one I had never seen at all before. Okay. Uh, just didn't bother. I don't think I've seen it either. I've seen one and half of three and then I've seen all the rest. All the rest, yeah. No, I, I don't think I, I've seen either. I think the new trilogy is by way obviously. Better. Well, way well, way what better. what the films are has changed. Has changed since, a lot since Skull's Protocol. Two is extremely weird. Two is kind of generally, I suppose, accepted as the weakest. It's the one they got John Woo in to do, which sounds cool, but it's it's odd. It's like uh, so obviously the, the movies all have kind of like you know. You have your your um, femme fatales in them, and and kind of Ethan Hunt's you know love interests and stuff like that. This one, more, more I was say Mortal Kombat two, I'll mix up here. Mission Impossible two leads way heavy into that. They've got Tandy Newton uh, uh, as the um, as the central lady, uh, uh, you know, a, a real heartthrob, um, you know, and she is, right. she is very good in the film. Um, but it's like. She used to go out with the antagonist, and she has a whirlwind affair with Ethan Hunt. I'm like, man, and they, I'm like, you are really going all in on this love story <laughs> at the core of this Mission Impossible film. Um, it's weird. It's so it does that, but in in a in a respectable enough two hour runtime, it does that. It gets all the tropes in, multiple instances of people taking their faces off, uh, and then it still concludes in some action in the third act that there's a lot of the action throughout the film is pretty mundane. I was really disappointed with a lot of it considering this is the, the John Woo one. And then in the third act, he just goes mental. He just goes mental. And it just, (laughs) to the, to the point that it, it just defies logic in certain points, which is great. You're happy to do it. Uh, when it was all said and done, I enjoyed it. I I don't think I'd rewatch it probably at any stage. It's, it's, It's too disjointed and weird, and and I think it's kind of um, I it, I think it kind of has that problem you talked about with with the raid too, which is just kind of like you're taking people and a type of film that should really be doing one thing, and you're trying to get really dramatic with it, and kind of have it be a little bit more um, I don't know, like legitimate or something like that. I don't know if that's even the term to use. It's it's weird. It it is a weird film in a relatively not weird franchise. Mission Impossible is pretty conventional. It's like action spy intrigue right you know stuff and two is odd so yeah good didn't dislike it or anything but wouldn't be in a, in a hurry to rewatch it uh, i also would not be in a hurry to rewatch mortal kombat annihilation um this is the second film they made back in the 90s following the success of the the very well regarded cult classic uh, original mortal kombat film with Christopher Lambert and and I've I've forgotten the the Shang Tsung uh, Shang Tsung's actor name, very famous actor. It's already it's, it's completely escaped me. And I just earlier today played the Mortal Kombat level DLC where they got the actor to be in to be Shang Tsung in the game, which was a fantastic touch. He's so great in that game. Completely forgotten. Anyway, this is the lesser known 
frequently despised sequel uh, that I'd never seen before. I did a watch along with this on Twitch, which was a lot of fun. I'm looking around to see if there's a place I can upload that, that people can watch it. Because I had a great time doing it, but I can't stick it up on YouTube, obviously, because it's got a full movie in it. Um, that film is a hunk of garbage of the highest degree. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is people, to their credit, I suppose, trying to push the limits of CGI in 1996. And it is, I mean, from the, op- the opening, it picks up immediately after the first film. First film, of course, was developed by developed directed by Paul W S Anderson before he went on to do of Resident Evil. Before before he and Mortal Kombat both went down the toilet creatively as film entities, he he made a very well regarded Mortal Kombat movie. Second film picks up immediately where the first one ends, and it's kind of like they've got like Shao Kahn and the Outworlders invading Earthrealm, and so they're doing they're turning the sky black and purple to represent their invasion and it's just it's every bad green green screen like keyed out people like do you know what i mean so obviously standing in front of 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 fake screens it looks terrible (laughs) they've got a bunch of monsters and transformations and reptile people in it they all look completely terrible they all look like a like a Saturday morning cartoon with a with a minuscule CG budget. I mean, it's all so so bad. The acting, I I don't know this, but it strikes me as a lot of like fitness models and martial artists rather than actors, which is commonplace in action right. cinema. But but sure, some of them with a handful of lines and too many at that. Uh, they've got Sindel, uh, who's the 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 sort of the the wife of the antagonist, the evil queen. And like in the very first scene, um, uh, she's like, you know, her daughter is like, don't make me fight you. Don't make me kill you, mother. And she's like, too bad it is you that will die. And I'm I like, know oh, that clip. That's yeah. a famous. That's uh, a famous. Clip. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, God, that was definitely the best they got. And she doesn't speak again for like an hour. They were like, uh, it is horrible. There. There is a lot of laughs to be had. I would say it is absolutely a watchable bad movie. Uh, there's a there's a reused shot at one stage. There's a fight early on in the film where someone gets the old stage. They they get uppercutted and they go flying into a pit. Flames come up. They use the exact same falling into the pit and flames go up shot later on in the film. Um, yeah, it's it's very wacky. It's very very wacky. And just like just like the original film, the the two Mortal Kombat films from the '90s. I mean, there are people getting killed, I guess, but they're very PG. <laughs> it's like they're they're it's it's a it is a bunch of Power Rangers fights, and it's only moderately more violent than an actual episode of Power Rangers. But uh, that is on Amazon Prime. If anyone wants to watch that and have a like so bad it's good movie night. Um, but if you want to watch like a normal good film, the 1994 yeah. Mortal Kombat is also on there. You can just watch that, and that's like actually good. It's got Christopher Lambert in it, hamming it up as Raiden. It's very funny. Um, so yeah, watch that. And then uh, last night at Broner's request, I watched for the very first time Miss Congeniality, which I had never Sandra seen. Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock having to go undercover at a beauty pageant. It is. It is so like. Please don't ask a single question about the logic of why she has to be because they not only not only does she have to go undercover at a beauty pageant, she has to make it to the final five. I guess to like you know slow mo dive, take a bullet for the president type situation. Right, 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 right. Uh, it's so farcical, but it's a lot of fun. I wouldn't say there's a lot of belly laughs, but it's kind of consistently like amusing enough. 
they 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 do the classic Hollywood thing of taking the most like traditionally attractive woman in the world and like messing up her hair a little bit and then going to Michael Caine's character. Saying, Can you take this pig and make her attractive? Can you this absolute hog, Sandra Bullock? I mean, yeah. and he's like. Uh, I don't. I don't really think I can make this little oinking little mess uh, an attractive woman. Just not possible. And then they have a makeover sequence, and they're like, "Oh, Sandra Bullock, you look so sexy. How did that happen?" Um, Which is very wacky, Uh, but it's it's funny. I mean, it it has a couple of laughs. Uh, A very wacky cast. Lots of lots of character actors on top of the, the the top build names. You've got you've got Bullock. You've got Kane. You've got Shatner. Uh, you know, uh, amongst others, uh, it's all right. It's all right. It's an easy enough ninety-minute uh, watch. Um, yeah, and those are my movies for the week. Um, I'm, 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 we're behind on our old cinema trips at the moment. I have to say, I haven't, still haven't seen Guardians. Didn't see Spider Verse. Um, wanted to go see Bo is Afraid. I feel like that's probably going to be gone by the time we have the the free time to go see it. So yeah, need to get to the old cinema, but um, uh, no, uh, uh, no joy just yet. Uh, we'll flip over to TV there. And uh, we have our, our big finales to talk about. Um, uh, Joe not back to talk about Succession, but what were, what were your cliff notes on the Succession finale, Paul? They nailed it. Excellent. They nailed it. Uh, every character story pretty much wrapped up very satisfyingly. Uh, obviously, there was one or two last twists at the end there, but my, my takeaway was they didn't shit the bed. Um, one one of the, one of the best shows ever. Wow, okay. Uh, it'd be nice now just sit on it. I'm not gonna dive right back into episode one or anything, but I'd like to just sit on it and think in a year's time, how do I feel about it? But initially coming out of it, w- one of the best ever for sure. Seems to be the consensus. Yeah, people seem pretty happy with it. Um, so yeah, it's always nice when they stick the landing. Um, yeah, likewise, I, I would say that I thought that the uh, the Barry finale was was also very very good, and I, I was on the show last week saying that I was extremely concerned about the amount of loose ends it felt like they were leaving on the table for a half hour episode. But to my shock, I thought they really really nailed it, and and befitting the rest of the show had a really good kind of biting, kind of funny cynical little bit hopeful kind of ending i thought they they went for a lot and they got it in a half hour i i loved it i thought it was great it seemed pretty divisive i i was checking around the morning after i was like mm, people don't seem to love it i thought it was great i really loved it yeah. so that's a that's a show i'm i'm very excited to, to kind of jump back into from the start uh, i'm holding out for a physical release though they've they've released one season on D- digital versatile disc Mm. And that, that that ain't doing it for me now. Let's get no. let's get an old an old, an old blue boy box set out here now, and we'll 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 jump into that, Mister Hater. Please, I know you're a physical media man. Pull a few strings, brother. Well, have a look at Germany. All things, <laughs> yeah. I'll just like scan various markets anywhere in my region, boys. Um, but yeah. Uh, other than that, did you watch the new Dark Side of the Ring? I haven't had a chance yet. I do have it ready to go though. It was good. It, it was a bummer. Uh, shock of shocks. A lot of them are. Ring is back, and it's a bummer. Uh, it was good. I think it was it was a, your typical kind of good. They always come out strong with the first episode, and I thought it was that. I didn't, other than the core, very core outline of it, I, I really didn't know much about the Candido story. Um, but there was some ins and outs. It was, yeah, it was, it was oh, interesting as it always is. And as they always do, they got lots of really good, like, first-hand interviews, went to the families and stuff like that. 
Uh, yeah, I remember him in TNA towards yeah. the end, and then obviously the accident in the cage match. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, recommended. Thumbs up on 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 that. Uh, and then I suppose the other um, uh, big release for the week was uh, I think you should leave season tra- trace twa <laughs> tra tree as we say in Ireland. Yeah. Uh, dropped on Netflix. It's funny that like you know they they take about two years to produce these and you get all excited for them to come out and it's like an hour of content if even you know. Uh, did you watch this? Yeah, I watched the whole the whole thing. What did you make of it? Um. Well, when it comes to season one and two, I wasn't quite as hot on it as a lot of people were. Okay, I thought there was good stuff in there, um, but I found it very hit and miss. Very, very yeah. So did I. Yeah. Um, you have your sloppy steaks and you have your swearing at the haunted house tour and like there's some really good skits but also i felt like a lot of them was what 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 am i watching what is this um so i stuck on season three because i did watch the first two and uh fuck i thought i thought it was like it was hit after hit after hit after hit maybe until episode five or six i thought like six was yeah. the weakest one there was like a sharp drop off but like certainly the first four episodes were were nearly fucking perfect. I was really impressed the uh, sharp increase in quality. Yeah, I, I I'm kind of with you. I, I think I think that I think the show does have some, uh, you know, and it's just the nature of sketch comedy. There's just some that just completely swing and miss. And I always find with this show as well is that when there's one that I'm not into, it feels like it goes on forever. Do you know what I mean? I mean they yeah. they do they they can beat a joke into the ground, and when you're not feeling it to begin with, but yeah, I I got like three episodes into this, and I was like, God damn, I have been crying, laughing basically since I started it. It's so so good. Yeah. I can't remember which sketches I didn't like, but I remember the episode with um, the father of the bride getting the photograph done. I thought that was a great skit. Can't remember what they were, but the other stuff on that episode, I was like, Ugh. Yeah. again, not great and dragged. But um, yeah, I I thought it was fantastic. I I, I really did. Um, and yeah, and I mean, talk about a breezy watch. What, six sixteen minute episodes, not even. In some yeah, cases. I was surprised that there was only six of them. But then it was it's always only been six, and they're always that short. But I I forgot completely. So it's like yeah. it's like a movie almost. You can watch it as like an eighty minute movie. Yeah, and it's almost like you're like I watched it across like three days. Just like I Two watched some at my desk, you know, at work, and I was like, oh, no, like I watched on the TV, and then I had one episode left, and I was like, oh god. Um, but they are, I mean, they are so rewatchable as well. I mean, I think that's the thing about that show that it, that people rewatch it, and the, and the jokes do hold up. But um, yeah. Enjoyed, uh, enjoyed there from the two of us. Uh, what else have you been watching on the old telefiche? The old telefiche. Um, the only other thing, Succession, I mentioned. Uh, oh, speaking of crying, laughing, Beavis and Butthead this week had one of the funniest episodes. Um, they did do their take on the um, Homer Simpson frozen yogurt. Uh, that's good. That's bad. That's good. And okay. then the bit where he doesn't understand, it's got frosium uh, weight in it. That's bad, and they. So, so what what they do this um, last two seasons is they have a new, um, new segment which is old Beavis and Butthead. So they're adults, and like Butthead's all fat and is like losing his hair, and so they overhear some women talking about, um, you know, ha- with children, and they say, "I said to my husband, if he ever wants to get with me again, he has to get a vasectomy." And so they go, of course, go, whoa. 
that woman said, if you get vasectomies, you can score. (laughs) And so so they go to get vasectomies. And the doctors... (laughs) So obviously you you understand the fact that they're adults doesn't change the show at all. So the doctor's got the little model out and he's explaining the the procedure. Are they wait? Are they canonically adults in the show now? No, there's it's still um, thirty minutes with two separate. It's like SpongeBob. There's two separate stories every week. Okay. So sometimes you get classic Beavis and Butthead. Sometimes you get old Beavis and Butthead. Oh, okay, okay. Which is just it's just set in the future. Okay, okay. So he's got the model out and he's saying, well, the way it works is. The, the sperm <laughs> goes goes from the the testicles. <laughs> Sorry, I hit my microphone again. Um, and goes up through the. Uh, I, I honestly forget the name of it now. The the dermis fiora, whatever. Yeah, they're, they're like totally stone faced. <laughs> and then he goes uh, to the to the penis. <laughs> And just, it was very like the Homer frozen yogurt thing. Right. Where he said the one line, they didn't know what he was talking about. But, um, my God, it, 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 sometimes it's just so dumb that I just, I'd be crying laughing at it. I, I absolutely adore. I did check out some Mike Judge's other stuff. I never watched any of his movies or King of the Hill or anything like that. But I fucking love Beavis and Butter. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch King of the Hill. Um, so, yeah, that's all I've watched. Alrighty, yeah, that's that was a uh, that was a good week of TV there. I need, I need to get caught up on the old the old Beavis. Um, yeah, uh, video games. I mean, not much really to talk about. I'm still playing Alan Wake, having fun with it. As I mentioned, I played that uh, Mortal Kombat Aftermath um, uh, DLC today. It's like a two and a half hour thing you can burn through in an afternoon. I'll say this right, it was it was really good. They, um, uh, like I said, they bring back Shang Tsung. They got the actor from the movie to play him, which is really great. He's really good in it as well. It's really, it's a, it's a really good um, uh, use of that character. Interesting kind of story. You're kind of mixing up playing as the good guys and the bad guys. You get to see the bad guys win a little bit. But the end of uh, Mortal Kombat 11 basically is that uh, Liu Kang becomes a god and he fights the enemy in that game. She's like time she's time baddie right so <laughs> okay. he, he you fuck her up and then she, she her evil plan was to reset the timeline in her image her evil image and then like no you're not doing that you're bad you kill right. her and then you and then you're like okay well luke kang's a god and i was like well i'll restart the timeline and i'll do it for good and that's that sets up this next one they're doing where it's like back to square one fresh start this dlc comes out and they're like wait luke kang you can't do it because there's another MacGuffin out there we have to go and get you go back in time again, you jump back into the MK11 story, some, into some scenes you'll have already played, alternate perspective, play as different characters, new allegiances form. It's all really fun. It's a fun two and a half hour rip roaring kind of roller coaster story. But the conclusion of the story then is that Liu Kang beats Shang Tsung in the exact same final boss arena from the main game, and you then arrive back at the exact same spot where the main story in it. Because obviously, because it's DLC, they couldn't have anything actually of any real substance happen in it right if you want you can get a non-canonical bad ending so you can actually choose to play as shang Tsung or Liu kang in the final boss that's pretty new territory for a fighting game but like with the reveal of the new game it's like if you pick shang Tsung, that's not canon it's a cute little thing right, you can right, do right, right. it doesn't actually matter uh so yeah i mean that that was a little bit disappointing but but pretty fun and then tears of the kingdom you know tears of the kingdom i mean it's good. <laughs> um, I started to go towards the Zora, the water people, to do their regional thing. And I yes. again, I've been completely sidelined. I haven't done it yet. I went off and 
did a couple more shrines and uh, I came across some side quests. I've already forgotten what it was and I started doing that. But I want to, I want to, because I do, I want to advance the story a little bit so I at least know how the temples, how one of the temples, do you know what I mean? I want to just say, okay, look, I've done one and I can say I've done one. Um, so I want to just kind of sit down this week and just do it. just do one, and then you can go back to wandering around, fucking chasing your tail yeah. in the open world. I'm, I'm I'm kind of doing the same. I think I might have mentioned last week. I'm I'm dividing my time up. I'm like, well, on the Switch profile, when I hit this number, fifty hours or whatever, yeah, that's what I'm going to do the thing. Uh, so I actually have done three of the four now. I did the okay. Zora's one, like you said, which I think is is almost. The easiest one. It's, it almost should be the first one you do. Okay, you know, that's the, good. The, the game kind of pushes you towards the um, the Rito. I feel like the Zora's one is... is yeah, I don't know. I think it just it's the one... I think I just wandered that direction and said, okay, let's just do this. I think that's how it came yeah. about. I think I think you'll be fine with it. So I did that in the week. Um, I'm at 65 hours, I think, now. Okay. So making making some progress. I've got 80 shrines... Hell of a lot of quests done. Um, I think what I'm going to do now, so so I think I'm going to keep Gerudo, which I think is the fourth one, until I'm maybe 70, 75 hours. Okay. Because um, I want to do I want to do some more depth stuff. I've got three maps, which put an X on my depths map. So some I don't know if you found any of those. If you're sometimes when you're in the sky, you find a treasure chest that has a map in it. Yes, I haven't gotten any of the stuff, but I have two maps. I haven't gotten either of them yet. Yeah. So I've got three. I haven't got any of them either. But I want to go down and do some more exploring in the depths and find some of those. Um, I want to do some side quests as well. Upgrade my armor. It's got a load of armor. Um, and so, yeah. So having done that now, I feel like, again, I can take time to wander and mosey around. But, um, yeah. Still loving it. I feel like I'm getting a little bit better at building actual things now as well. Because even even 65 hours in, I hadn't exactly built a car. I was still having a plank of wood with a wheel on the end of it. And it was very, very rudimentary. But lately, I've, I've actually got into making some contraptions. I'm having some fun with that. Um, yeah, same. I'm kind of... I'm finding more pieces in the world that are almost a little intimidating but i'm right. kind of like thankfully and it's what's great about the design of this game i did a sh- i did the shrine that makes you use the floating platforms yeah, uh, yeah the yeah. zonai platforms and i'm just kind of like okay well this is great because uh, so far i have a couple of them in my inventory but i'm like ah, i don't know how to use that so i'm not going to use it well now it's kind of like no here's how it works this is how you this is yeah. what's good about this so uh i'm starting to pick up like cannons and laser beams and i'm like right let's let's make let's, some fucking stupid go. with this shit now you know yeah, yeah, yeah. um yeah and that's actually it's funny you mentioned the depths what i came before i was doing this that's what sidelined me from the zora that time is i went back into the depths to 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 do the next stage of the Yiga clan thing down there. Yeah, I still need to get more Zonoi to uh, upgrade my little battery powers, because I'm still 65 hours in, I'm still one and a third Oh, those are rookie numbers now. Come on now, get that up. I know. So I need to go down. Yeah, I kind of thought upgrading that would kind of be optional, because that's just like if you want to really fuck around. It's like, ah, no, if you want to do any of the stuff with, like, weapons, you you have to, you know, if you want to build a contraption with um, lasers and multiple fans, it's chewing through your battery. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I I, I also need every enemy I see in the death. I, I also need to uh, uh, upgrade because I've gotten I've got two ba- two full batteries and a third I think but even even that I'm noticing is disappearing in a in a flash. Yeah, I have to use batteries myself. Um, so my batteries. 
have you um uh have you been keeping up with the um AEW game stuff from this week or watched any of it? Yeah, maybe? just a few bits and pieces. Looks good. I I I'm really getting excited for it, I have to say. I mean I think I think the qualms about the look um is fair. I I I think people I was watching an Evil Uno stream. I was actually watching it live, so I saw the chat going by, and you have to tell someone to stop spamming the chat looking for Creation Suite. People seem really tetchy about the fact that they're not showing off the Creation Suite, which I think is fair. That's a huge part of modern games. I, I'm, I'm always shit at that stuff, so I don't really care about it. <laughs> My, and I, I also, even you know, even if it's been in a, it's good or it's bad or it's in the middle, I'm, I'm just never a career mode guy either. Now, the career mode they've showed off, I think, actually looks yeah, yeah. Ki- kind of interesting. I just want to. I want the engine to be good enough that I can just go in and just play exhibition for the rest of my life. Do you know what I mean? That's why I still play SmackDown. Here comes the pain. I'm not right. on year seventy two of my career. I don't <laughs> care about any of that. I just fire it up and I fuck around in Hell in a Cell and I throw people off and I do six man table matches. You know, um, but we're kind of at the stage now where they they're doing lengthy streams, showing off the game. Bunch of like wrestling content creators got got to put unedited footage up. Uh, which I thought was really clever. I thought it was really clever of them to to kind of you know let the like the new legacy guys tape it and and you know they they have a lot of fun like making those games go wonky, but not in a negative way. And I think AEW were yeah. smart to know that let them go in there and do their goofy shit because people will watch it and go that's fun. I want to do that. Do you know what I mean? It, it's exactly. not it's not falling apart at the seams. It's actually really interesting. And yeah, every 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 person who's uploaded a match I've watched and I'm like. Yeah, yeah, this looks good. Um, so yeah, that's the no major news. They put their DLC plans out. The roster is very wacky. Who is and isn't on the roster? I can't really because it's like you've got your core people from like 2020 when the game started, and then they're like, okay, well, CM Punk has to be in it because he's CM Punk, obviously. Like, Jeff Hardy has to be in it because he's Jeff Hardy, and like FTR, they yes. have to be in it, but they're DLC, and and it's like like Jeff Hardy's the craziest one to me because he's so new, relatively speaking, to the company. He's in it, but from what we've seen so far, they she could still be revealed. But there's no like Jamie Hader in the game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jeff's in the game, but Matt's a pre-order bonus. John Silver seems to be in the game, but no other Dark Order, except for Brody Lee, appears to be in the game. No Evil Uno, no no Alex Reynolds, even though he's John Silver's tag team partner. And so I don't really care about Alex Reynolds, but it's like, how did you make those decisions? I don't know. They haven't shown the full roster yet. I think they were waiting until they were saying the name CM Punk on TV before they maybe. said, okay, here's here's the roster. You know, maybe, maybe. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We will uh, we will obviously keep our eyes on that. Uh, I, I will be a day one boy. I'll be streaming it on day one, so I'll be the guinea pig. If, if anyone's on the fence, I'll be firing that up on Twitch and, and yeah. putting it through its paces. I'll give it. I might pick it up as well. Give it a try. Um, yeah, uh, and if there's no other games, then we can do our our, our music of the week. Yeah, just two. Uh, well, just two, two. Um, uh, listened to an old Queens of the Stone Age album, "Songs for the Deaf," one of the best ones. They ever did one of the best rock albums, I think, of the last hmm. what, thirty years. Uh, really, really good, sleazy uh, American rock and roll. Um, really great tracks, you know. The singles "Go with the Flow," "No One Knows." Uh, there's a song on there called "Mosquito Song," which I really, really like as well. Uh, just a damn good time. Really, really excellent album. Highly, highly recommend that for people who have people who haven't maybe checked out Queens of the Stone Age, but have always been curious. Songs for the Deaf is where you want to start. Um, and then in terms of new albums, 
I listened to a, an album by a group called Jerome's Dream. Okay. Uh, called The Grey In Between. And it's, uh, it's a hardcore, uh, very, very loud, distortion heavy and screaming hardcore record. Uh, so I listened to a grindcore album in the year by a band called Wormrot that I fucking hated. And as soon <laughs> yeah, as I, I started, you, of course. As soon as I started listening to this, I said, "Oh, is this going to be another one of these?" Uh, but actually, as I hit like tracks three, four, five, I kind of got into it way more than I expected I would. It's, it's kind of inherently more listenable than something like Wormrot. It's not grindcore, obviously, which is why. But it's it's kind of one of those. Like if I said to you, it, it kind of. The, 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 the musicians use distortion or like f- amplifier feedback as like a note when, when making the music. It almost has that kind of sound to it. It's very, very screaming, but like screaming in a, in a way that feels authentically like I'm in anguish as opposed to screaming is my method of singing. So there's kind of was like feeling to it and, and rhythmically I kind of, like I said, I kind of got into it and enjoyed it way more than I thought I was actually going to. So I will, I will give a, a thumbs up for Jerome's dream, but it's really a fucking acquired taste. Acquired so, taste. Yeah. Those, those listen to it and say yeah. like, what you, you, you like this? This is fucking horrible to listen to. I'm like, you know, yeah, kind of, but I don't know. I might've just been in the mood for it and, and something scratched an itch there. Maybe not immediately, but as I hit some of the latter tracks, I kind of got into it. Maybe check out Queens of the Stone Age instead if you want yes. to dip your toe into something a little bit more. Uh, a bit more of a crowd pleaser. Yeah, more of a crowd pleaser. Go with the flow is a pretty good song. I think you probably enjoy that one. Um, but that's what I listened to this week. Alrighty, and I think that's going to do it for our show. Mm. Uh, thank you much, everyone, for listening. We'll hopefully have Tony back next week to regale us with his tales of debauchery and antics from Las Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back next week as the the clock is now ticking. Now that we're all official, we're now on 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 CM Punk countdown mode, getting ready for the yes. debut of Collision. So uh, uh, come back for more of that, plus all the usual fun and games with TV and movies and 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 reviews and and, and all that other stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you very much, Paul, for being here with me. Thank you, Barry, and thank you everyone for listening. Chairshotpodcast.com if you want to pop us an email. Until then, it's farewell from Paul. Goodbye. Well, it's goodbye from me. Bye.